Radio. The transmission and reception of electromagnetic waves on radio frequency, especially those carrying sound messages, or the activity or industry of broadcasting sound programs to the public. Fanboy. A male fan, especially one who behaves in an obsessive or overexcited way. This is the Radio Fanboy Podcast, and here's your host, Bevo. So today's guest has a very impressive resume. He's done nights in Perth with a lady by the name of the Vixen. Mm, yes, bad boy, such and such. I won't fill in the rest, I'll keep going. Uh, he's also been a breakfast show in Brisbane on B105 after the B105 morning crew left. And these days finds himself in Melbourne. He's been the imaging voice for the Today Network. He's been the imaging voice for the Triple M Network. His name is Ben Wosley and he joins me via this technological thing called Squadcast. Hello, Ben. How are you, mate? I fixed it. I made it work. I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. Now, this is uh, very modern. We are broadcasting from our bedrooms doing a podcast using this thing called Squadcast for the very first time. So we're kind of teching for each other, trying to work out how it all works. Let's talk about you, Benny Boy. I mean, um, you've you've been in the industry for a very long time now. Um, probably more recently well-known um, as the imaging voice for the, uh, the hit network. Um, what are you doing these days in terms of looking after yourself in, in times of COVID crisis? Um, madly applying for super payments. <laughs> uh, also, I've got two years worth of tax returns I need to do, so that should help. Yep. Yeah, at the moment, I'm unemployed. The only, one per- only person paying me is M. Rossiano to write the descriptions on our M. Salation podcast twice a week. Bless her oh, heart. Let's go back to the very beginning, uh, young Benjamin, starting in, I believe, Caratha was your first radio gig. Oh, nice segue. And it's a great point to uh, plug my podcast, 1989, Inside the the Diary of a Wannabe Radio Announcer, which uh, covers my first year in radio because my godmother gave me a diary to keep me busy because she was such a loser probably. (laughs) And I did the whole year of entries and, uh, yeah, I'm working through it at the moment and it's horrifying. 1989, <laughs> like, wow. Do you remember the, the process of actually applying for radio jobs? Was it straight out of high school or did you have a, a bit of a break between high school and radio? Well, I went sort of – I got interested in radio when I was a teenager because my parents – my mum used to work at a super centre, like a fitness place in Adelaide, and all the SAFM DJs used to work out there because it was the coolest place in Adelaide to work out. And yeah. so they befriended a few of them, um, like a guy called Gary Bowden, who used to come to our parties and he used to talk about radio and I used to think, oh, that's so cool. But at that stage, I was really mad keen on acting. And then I did a few auditions and thought, <laughs> this really sucks because they say, you <laughs> place. And I heard from him that when you apply for a radio job, you get a letter and it just says, you suck, which is a whole lot easier to uh, <laughs> deal with because you can rip the letter up, burn it, do whatever you like. Um, so I just started to angle for radio and did a 15-week course with uh, the Vaughan Harvey Radio School in oh, 88. Wow. Yeah, he was like a um, amazing newsreader who um, did a radio school in Adelaide. It cost, I think it was about 500 bucks, 15 weeks. And at the end of it, everybody on the course jumped in a bus and we went to 5AU in Port Augusta and everyone got an hour on air with like a script and a radio announcer sitting in front of you, helping you through it. And then by the end of it, you had an audition tape, which I then used 
to apply for a job in Caratha. So, yeah. um, Caratha, uh, I believe uh, there's a few people that have started their radio careers at that radio station. Jonesy was one of them. Yeah, we lived together. That was hilarious. Him and his wife, or at that time, girlfriend Helen. That was so much fun. I think they moved up there in 91 or 90, maybe. I think it was 90. Okay. Yeah, and um, I can't remember who else has been there, but apparently lots of people went through Caratha. Yeah, yeah, there was, was a high turnover, but I managed to waste three and a half years of my life there. <laughs> <laughs> I was stupid enough to say, I'm going to leave this place and go straight to FM radio. And of course, that was never going to happen. So after three and a half years of hard work and sending air checks to a, a program director at K Rock on the Gold Coast, I got a job up there. Thank Christ. We were just talking about this the other week. Your, your little um, thing that you put on Facebook, going through the VHS tapes, and you found a uh, a nine news tape of Bad Boy Ben and the Vixen. Yeah, we got poached. It was. Wicked. So talk about those times in Perth because it looks like uh, you were trailblazers at the time and you're just having an absolute ball. Yeah, we were basically told if we're not getting complaints every day from parents, then you're not doing your job properly. And we were just told to have at it. The only things we couldn't say were the F word and the C word. And I actually got sent um, a guy that came on the show, sent me some audio clips last night and some of the stuff I listened to I was like holy shit I can't believe I did that <laughs> I actually burped right into the microphone during a, a rave and was just so casual about it I'm like oh my god dude you don't burp on radio but oh apparently it would be bad so and I'm not a bad person so I had to sort I was going to say how did you get the nickname bad boy because you, you're far from bad when I talk to you <laughs> I, from memory I think it's Jeff Alice's it was his idea and it was around, it was soon after there was an Australian movie called Bad Boy Bubby which was really big at that stage. And I think he sort of thought, bad boy, Ben would be great. What do you want to do with the co-host? And I was like, what about the Vixen of the Vibes? And then it sort of stuck. Yeah, we were lucky. Let's talk about some of the um, uh, funny benchmarks that you had on that show. I mean, wow. Something about the the Wheel of Orgasms or the Orgasm Wheel or something like that. And the Vixen's 12 Inches of Pleasure, which is where we'd play. (laughs) And some of the audio that I got um, last night Apparently, we got someone on for the uh, Wheel of Orgasms and they would moan themselves. It's like, oh, my God, it's so incorrect. I don't know how we got away with it. <laughs> Mainly girls ringing up for that or the blokes are ringing up as well? No, no, we have a good spread of um, guys and girls ringing. It was, I think it was because it was so naughty. We were so out of control. And I loved that theatre of the mind stuff that you can do with radio where you can create separate rooms and environments so we'd basically pretend we were in a huge house and move throughout different rooms get in the spa go um into the dungeon and yeah it was so much fun tony lawson was he your producer or your imaging producer for the uh the show apparently but there's a few and i'm so bad the 90s for me were a lot of drugs (laughs) so (laughs) my memory is really foggy people say yeah we worked together i'm like really did we oh my god was i there so yeah um, he definitely was working with us because he tells me stuff and I go, I remember that. I do remember this. I go on two weeks holiday and come back and say, now, what was the receptionist's name again? <laughs> the video, uh, the, the news article was talking about, you got poached um, from one station to the other. What was the transition like at the time? It was really hectic because at that stage, I think Osterio owned us. They changed it from 96FM to Triple M, 96.1. And then they decided to buy, um, they wanted a duopoly, two stations in every market. So they managed to buy um, PMFM 92.9 and 94.5, but that meant they had to sell 96. And that deal was meant to happen um, at 
five o'clock one Friday afternoon and I'd had word that one of my friends was going to come in and they were going to sack Claire and make me work with her. She was so excited she couldn't keep it secret and told me. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And I also wanted to stay with Osterio because they were like the big network then. And so we rang, um, I can't remember who we spoke to, maybe Simon Mountain or Scott Muller, one of those two. It starts with an S um, and an S&M. Um, and <laughs> said, hey, we're like number one. We don't want to stay here. Can we come over? And they did the deal in oh, in a few hours. It was amazing. I've never been involved in anything like that. But, yeah, by five o'clock we were out of there and the new owners walked in just after five and went, hang on a minute, what? Where are they gone? And was spewing. <laughs> the deals were done under the table. Uh, yeah. So you ended up in in Melbourne Radio, and you've been there for quite some time now. How did you manage to get there? Um, in two thousand, I'd been done seven years of nights, and I'd had enough of it. And I think they could tell that as well. And so they sort of approached me and said, "Look, we feel like you're not happy anymore. We've got this option where." Um, um, We've got a guy in Melbourne who would love to come over called Ben Dylan Smith, um, and we want to know, would you swap with him so you do 10 to 1 and he does um, your thing? And I was like, yeah, I'll go to Melbourne because I would love that, um, and did that and just did swapsies, and it sort of started from there. And then from there, I got to work with, um, like, on Rove Live Radio with Rove and Corinne and Pete, and then um, Hamish was working on The Breakfast Show with Matt Tilly and Tracy Bartram. He was like writing her gossip and doing street stuff for them. And then they um, got together, like he knew Andy at that stage, and they were given a show called The Almost Tuesday Show, which was on from 10.30 till midnight on a Monday night. And because that was my shift, I just panelled it. So that's how I sort of met Hamish and Andy. I went along and saw a stand-up show they did, and they were absolutely amazing. And then it just sort of progressed from there and then... I did like the Friday shout with Judith Lucy and um, Peter Rosethorne. Um, I went to Brisbane in 2006, and that yes. only lasted a year with um, Gabby, Mike, and Stav yep. with Gabby Milgate. And then they brought in Camilla from um, Big Brother, and it sort of all imploded. There was bad stuff happening in there. It was a um, full on year. But then there was the option to come back, and I think they were. Tim Lee was working on Hamish Nandy at that stage and he wanted to do um, Hot 30 Nights and I said, well, I want to come back to Melbourne and so it was a good switch. He, j- he went off, I came back, started working with Hamish Nandy as Giggling Ben and then uh, trained up Cackling Jack. Ah, that's how the uh, connection happened. Yeah, so the voiceover was- thing, how did that sort of progress from, you know, being an on-air jock to being the the, the voice of the network? Uh, that I'd been doing that since... Soon after I got to Melbourne, I started doing that because they're they're always looking for voices and was doing it free. And I think the first time I got a voiceover contract from them was in 2006 when I was in Brisbane. They started using me around the network and then it just kept getting renewed every year and I just kept doing it until... 2018 when I finished. And you also did a uh, an Australian music show with um, Ella Hooper as well. I remember yeah. hearing you on that. What was Silly that Ramsdale before that. I have to mention her because we did do a, a while together. But, yeah, it was the Oz Top 20, I think. That's the one, yes. Yeah. And Ella, we met each other when I was bad boy in um, Perth. I've still got audio of her. She sounds like she's 13. And I think <laughs> she's 14 or 15. Um yeah, and we sort of we bump into each other for interviews all the time, and then yeah, when I got offered 
that they wanted to bring Ella in. They said, would you work with her? And I was like, work with her. I love her. And we just oh, yeah. sort of hit it off. So, yeah, it was easy. That was so much fun. So you, you parted ways with the uh, Fox and, and Triple M in Melbourne, but they asked you to come back uh, not long after that. Is that true? Yeah, they sort of they got in touch with me and said someone in creative writing at the studio was going on maternity leave and did you want to did I want to come back and do 6 months of um creative writing for commercials and I was like no nah, I don't need 6 months of work <laughs> I was loving being you know footloose fancy free and having a stack of redundancy cash um but then I think 3 months into that maybe the guy that um, was all already working there got a job, and so the guy that had already accepted the um, paternity, uh, the maternity leave. Oh, I know it's paternity because it's a guy that went on holidays. Um, they sort of said, "We need someone else. Will you do six to eight weeks?" And I was like, six to eight weeks is easy. I've never written commercials except for in Carrara, and I wouldn't say that they were good quality commercials." But <laughs> uh, it's like I'd always been an image writer for Fox and um, for the Today Network, so I found that really easy. It's I love that sort of creative side. Working with Matt Nikolic was like the best um, because he would just create the most amazing promos with the words I threw at him. And so, yeah, writing commercials was like, I'll give it a a suck it and see. And it was so much fun. And the six to eight weeks turned into 10 months. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And that wrapped up just as we went into lockdown in March. So I sort of finished on Friday and I think then Australia was like, and we're not working anymore. Ben Wosley, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the Radio Fanboy Podcast. Holy moly, what a career. I was going to say, you'd, you'd be running out of paper to put all those um, radio gigs uh, in a resume. Ugh, I can't even remember half of them. <laughs> all right, Ben, thanks for joining us on the uh, Radio Fanboy Podcast. Thanks so much. The Radio Fanboy Podcast was hosted by Bevo and produced by Matt Fulton Productions. 